0: So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got... Quite an interesting item. If you'll take a look over here, uh, I've taken the liberty of pulling this out of the display case and opening it up. It's a wooden case, but inside you'll see a myriad of antique tubing and glass jars and metal contraptions. This is what would be used for blood transfusions back probably in the late 1800s to the turn of the century. And it is that very subject that is the heartbeat of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the recently released Hulu film, Blood. So Blood is a film that I really didn't know much about, and I recently saw this, uh, they'd released it to Hulu, and so I did a little research on it because I had not heard much about it, and I found out this is a film, it kind of made the film festival circuits in late 2022, and then had a very limited theatrical release in January of this year, I believe January 27th, and then went uh, video on demand on January 31st or or somewhere around there. And then recently, I just realized that it was released on Hulu. So I I believe, I may be mistaken, but I I do believe the release on Hulu is the first uh, release of blood on a streaming platform that's not video on demand. So uh, I thought, I'm going to check this out. I watched the trailer first, and and the one thing that I was pleased about, the trailer gave away a big reveal, but it felt like less of a reveal- watching the movie. And maybe that's because I already saw it in the the trailer. I, I'm getting to the point now where I don't even want to watch trailers anymore because they give so much away in trailers these days. Now, this trailer gives up the basic premise of this movie and the circumstances that we're going to find ourselves in eventually in this movie. It gives away that, but it doesn't give away too much of the story that you're going to see. So, uh, in some regards, I wish I had skipped the trailer, but in other regards, it didn't ruin the movie for me. But uh, I saw the trailer, and I thought, okay, this has piqued my curiosity. I'm interested in this now. Have, the hooks are set. So, I decided to watch Blood, and right off the bat, I'll tell you, I was I was really pleasantly surprised with this movie. Given the fact that early on in the movie, I thought... I like this, I'm into this, I'm digging this. And then after a while, I thought, well, this isn't meeting the bill of sales that I got from the trailer. And I, I became a little, not disinterested, I was always interested in the story and always interested in the characters. But I felt myself kind of like, okay, come on, let's. Uh, is this all it's gonna be? But then when you get to that third act, it really picked up the pace and it became the movie that I I wanted to see to begin with, at least in part. It was the movie I wanted to see in the beginning. And then when it all was said and done, even though in its totality it wasn't the movie I was hoping it would be, it was, it's kind of like the Dark Knight thing. It wasn't the movie I wanted. It was the movie I needed. And it was one of those situations where I thought it's not the movie that I, I was hoping it was going to be. But it was a really good movie that I'm glad I saw. And I'm glad I, I stuck it out through that kind of dry spell in the middle and during that second act. And I, I really enjoyed it because I think this movie had a lot of good things going for it where it lacked in areas that I wanted it to be a particular type of movie. It made up for in in other areas that made this movie very enjoyable and uh, a movie I I really got into. So just briefly, I am going to give you kind of a synopsis of this story and and where we find ourselves. There's nothing that isn't given away in the trailer. So if you don't want any spoilers, uh, we're going to get into spoiler territory, but not quite yet. But you have this family. It's a broken family. You have the mother, Jess, played by Michelle Monaghan, and her daughter, Tyler, played by Skylar Morgan-Jones, and her youngest, her son, Owen, played by Finley Wojtak-Hissong. Uh, you may know his older brother, Aidan wojtak Hisong. He's been in uh, in several things, and in this uh, younger brother, Finley, is kind of following in his big brother's footsteps and... We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, what kind of job I think he did. But you have this family. They are moving to Jess's uh, deceased aunt's house. The The house isn't selling, so she's going to live there because their family has broken up. She's a recovering drug addict, and her drug addiction caused a wedge between her and her ex-husband, Patrick, played by Ski Ulrich of uh, Scream fame. But in her addiction... It drove a wedge between her and Patrick. And instead of doing it the right way, Patrick starts banging the nanny. And, of course, ultimately when they break up, he gets the house because his parents bought it for him. So uh, he and the nanny and their their newborn are taking up shop in Jess's old family home. And she's going to move the kids to this old dilapidated house Uh, far away from where they well not far away but away from where they used to live away from where their home is where they're comfortable and it's kind of that typical story that you get a lot in horror films where a family moves into a creepy old house and the kids at least one of the kids usually the oldest a lot of times it's a daughter I've seen it in probably half a dozen horror movies that have come out over the past few years Uh, the older daughter is at odds with the parent or the parent because they don't want to move here they're away from their friends this house sucks and then you've got the sprightly little younger sibling that's just uh, happy as a pig and shit because it's a new adventure and it's a different place and there's all sorts of fun things to get into so you have that family dynamic right off the bat Uh, a mother who's kind of broken she's in recovery But while she's recovering from her addiction, she's also recovering from the the loss of her her marriage. And not only does she have to deal with that, but she has to deal with uh, a a daughter who's being a pain in the ass uh, because she's not getting what she wants. And a son who is constantly getting into trouble. And the fact that these two kids, if anything happens to them, that is going to be the impetus for the father, Patrick to come and take them away from her and and the kids are the only thing she has left but they also have a family dog pippin or pip as they call him uh, that is integral in this first part of the the movie this first act setting up what what comes later because this dog and, and animals always especially in the movies but but animals are always in tune to things in nature whether it be good things, whether it be things that are off in nature. And you see this family dog, Pip, uh, or Pippin, is noticing something around that is not good. It has him on edge. Tyler and Owen go to this old lake where there's a tree growing out of the middle of it, but the lake's all dried up, and this dog becomes very interested in this tree. And then later on, the dog runs off and disappears for, for quite a while, for days and then finally comes back, and but he's changed. You know, you see the light reflecting in his eyes, much like we've seen in other movies. I'll get into that, into the spoilery section. But he ends up attacking Owen, the young boy, and biting him in the neck. And Owen is rushed to the hospital after the mother fends off the dog. And when Owen comes to, he is changed as well. And that is the leaping off point. For this movie, so that's kind of the setup of it, and and I have to tell you, it goes into some interesting places. Something you're familiar with, but maybe not familiar with it in this way, in this treatment. So I, I don't want to say anything more about it. Uh, I encourage you to watch it if you haven't watched Blood. Check it out on Hulu. Uh, definitely worth the the watch. Not a great film, but a pretty good film, and worth the watch in, in my estimation. And when you watch it, come back, listen to my thoughts and hear what I think about it and, and see you know how it compares to what you thought about this. If you've watched it, we're going to press on. If you don't care, either way, you're just interested in hearing about this movie and, and you might or might not watch it later, we are going to press on, as I said. But from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So we're going to talk about this movie the way I, I kind of do. We're going to talk about some of the main characters and, and there really aren't a ton of main characters. So Uh, We're going to talk about those characters, their place in this story, and then we're going to talk about some of the things I liked and didn't like about this movie, and and all all the things in between there. But first and foremost, uh, Michelle Monaghan plays the mother, Jess, and I talked about how she's a recovering drug addict, and she's going through a divorce, and constantly on the verge, or, or at least fearful of being on the verge of losing her kids. If something should ever happen to them, she's going to have them taken away from her because it is a bitter divorce she went through with her ex-husband, Patrick. And I liked how Michelle Monaghan played this. I mean, it's not breaking new ground as far as the character because it is that typical heroine that is set up as the unreliable narrator. You know, she's a former drug addict. So, uh, no one's going to believe her because they're, anytime she's acting crazy, they're going to think she's strung out. But they never really play into that. I mean, they play it all straight up. There's never any guesswork as to whether she is just imagining things or not, whether uh, she is back on drugs again or not, which which I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, There's some movies where I wish they'd play a little more with that. Uh, we talked about that movie from Black a couple weeks ago, and I kind of wish they'd played into that is she or isn't she, back on drugs and strung out. I'm glad they didn't do that with this. They didn't need to. And I think the only reason they brought in the drug addiction angle is just to kind of jibe with the message that's being sent, the metaphor of this whole thing, which we'll get into uh, coming up a little bit later on. But, But I enjoyed her performance. She she felt like a mother that's just on the edge of a nervous breakdown because she's got the weight of the world on her shoulder. Addiction recovery, uh, recovering from a divorce, a bitter and nasty divorce from the way it's portrayed and the way we're given clues, has the weight of the world on her shoulders. Trying to make ends meet with her kids, you know, she's a she's a working mom. She's a nurse. And she's trying to take care of the kids and make sure nothing happens to them because she's in constant fear of them being taken from her. And Skeet Ulrich uh, plays her ex-husband Patrick, and he does a good job with this character. I didn't recognize him at first because he's got a beard and his hair's all kind of slicked back, and he's wearing like a trucker cap a lot. I didn't recognize him at first, and once I realized who it was, I was like, oh. But but he does a really good job with the Patrick role because he plays a real grade a asshole but it's very grounded in in reality he's an asshole to his ex-wife because he blames her uh, essentially Uh, I mean, it's kind of written in the subtext, blames her for the breakup of her marriage because she got addicted to drugs. They never really go into the weather twos and the why fours of all that. But he blames her for that, blames her for not being there, blames her for being neglectful to the kids, blames her for pushing him to the nanny. So he's a real great asshole to her, but he's a loving father to the kids and is only really looking out for the best interest or their best interest as he sees it which is to take them away from their mother at at the sign of any any problems which giving her drug addiction background it's understandable so he he's an asshole but it's not he's not an asshole for being an asshole's sake you know some movies just have to have an asshole and there's no reason for it uh, there's no reason any rational human being would act that way and they didn't play it like that it was it was a very realistic asshole <laughs> he's an asshole but he's got valid reasons for it doesn't make him right but there is justification for the way he acts towards Jess, and Ski Ulrich did a really good job with this character, made you not like him. But then when he's with the kids, and he's just trying to, you know, you know he's trying to protect him, You you do have a, a bit of empathy. It's not just straight up. He's he's the bad guy. Uh, he's not. He's just a dad who who effed up just as much as the mom effed up. And is making a bad situation even worse. Jess, uh, in the same in the same breath, it's part and parcel on her that she's in the situation she is because, for whatever reason, she got addicted to drugs and was neglectful and was not there for the kids. You know, there's a scene where she's talking with Patrick and he's asking what do the kids like in their pancakes, what you know, all these things that she should know as their mother, but she doesn't really know because she was always strung out on drugs. And never there doing mom things with these kids because because of the addiction. And while well, you do have empathy for her because she is trying to get her life around, she put herself in this position. While you feel empathy for the stress that she's having and, and the stress that she's under, it also feels in, in some regards that she is she's overdoing it. She's overprotective. She's overcompensating for all of the things that she wasn't when she was strung out on drugs. So very complex characters, very multifaceted characters. And these two actors really uh, did a good job. Michelle Monaghan, if you're not familiar with her work, I mean, she's been in just a a ton of different shows and and movies over the years. Of course, she was in the uh, Born Supremacy, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, The Craft Legacy, Uh, She's going to be in the new Maxine movie that's coming out. Not really sure when. Hopefully we'll see it next year. I, I was hoping maybe we'd see it this year, but uh, there's no real word on that. But she's going to be in that. She's done a bit of television as well—True Detective, American Dad, stuff like that. So, so you've seen her in in various things, and and you can tell she's a, a seasoned actress. Same with with uh, Ski Ulrich. You know, he—you could tell this is a this is a seasoned actor. Uh, in this role. And both of them, I thought, did a really good job. Now, as far as the kids go, I really enjoyed the kids' performance as well. Skylar Morgan Jones, who plays Tyler, is uh, she's a, a young actress, not terribly familiar with her work, although she was in an episode of The Vampire Diaries, which I probably saw. I don't remember her in it uh, specifically. It's been a long time since I've watched that. Uh, but she does a good job. She She plays the Again, it's very complicated, very real characters. I mean, she is kind of an, a little shithead, uh, a little asshole, because, you know, her mom's just trying to do her best. But again, she resents her mom for, for not being there and she resents her for taking him away from their home and putting him in this old creepy house in the middle of nowhere. She she has that bitchy teenage girlness about her. But then she has some tender moments with her mother. She has some tender moments with her brother. She's not a bad kid. She's just a kid that is thrust into a bad situation with a mom who's a recovering addict and a a dad who's antagonistic towards her mom and a mom who's antagonistic towards her dad and a part of this broken home that she had no part in. So you almost empathize with her and, and understand why she is the way she is but there again like i said when she has those tender moments with her mom and with owen it's very heartfelt and she does a really good job with the acting now there's uh there's a bit of her acting that just wasn't working for me and it was the scenes where she is upset when Owen gets attacked by the dog and, you know, his life is on the line. She's supposed to be upset and crying and, and she just, the tears weren't coming. And they didn't even try to put like fake tears and make it seem like she was crying. And I can't blame her for that because she is a very young actress and she... Child actors that have that kind of command over their emotion, they're a rare breed, they're something special, and they don't come along just every day. Hell, there are a lot of grown-ass adult actors and actresses that don't have command of their own emotions and can't make themselves cry. So I don't blame her for that. But in this performance, it would have been nice if they would have helped her out and at least put some fake tears to make the emotion of what she is portraying match the look of the character. But other than that, like I said, I thought she did a really good job with the character, with the the emotions she had to go through. It was a really good uh, performance from her. And Findlay Wojtek, his song, a uh, fantastic job as Owen. He really not carries this movie, but he is a big part of this movie with Michelle Monaghan as Jess, the, the mother-son relationship. And him having to go from the, you know the owen character is this little shit he's one of those little boys that is always getting into trouble and doing things he's not supposed to be doing and jumping off things and getting into things and disappearing and not listening to his mother and he's one of those little kids that you're like god that little shit is at it again but then Again, he has some tender moments with his mom, tender moments with Tyler, that, that he does a really good job with that. Uh, there's, a, there's an innocence to him that kind of parallels the, the little shit troublemaker <laughs> in this character that Finley does a really good job with that sweetness. And then when he starts to make the transformation, because he gets bit by this dog and he starts transforming and the way he portrays this transformation is quite haunting and eerie. And I have to give that credit to the, to the direction, which we'll talk about the director coming up, but I have to give it to the performance as well, because he got good direction and he, he followed that direction. I imagine. And made this character very creepy for for lack of a lot of special effects until the end. You didn't need special effects when he, you know, creepy kids are a hallmark of horror movies. And and he did a really good job with all that. So I enjoyed those performances. But what this movie really is, it's a vampire movie. They never come out and say the word vampire. Uh, Something happens to that dog Pippin and he comes back changed. And like I said, he's, you know, the, the light reflecting in his eyes, like they've done in other vampire movies. Uh, they did it in Salem's lot from, from back in the seventies. Uh, they did it here more recently in midnight mass on Netflix. That kind of look that they give a vampire where their, their pupils are reflecting light, almost like an animal's wood and, and pips, uh, Pippin's uh, eyes are, are big and reflecting light like that. So you almost get a glowing effect in the eye. And then, of course, he bites Owen's neck. And Owen, going to the hospital, all of a sudden starts, food doesn't taste good to him. It makes him sick. He starts sucking on the blood bag. And Jess seeing him do that and trying to get him to stop. And the, the bulk of this movie was kind of a slow descent into what a mother will do to protect her child. And and they even say that in one portion of the movie. And you see that natural progression of her catching him drinking from the blood bag to her sneaking blood bags out of the the hospital to give him She can't get those anymore, so she goes to the pet store and buys a bunch of rabbits and starts draining their blood to feed him. And then that doesn't work. And she's watching videos on how to gut a deer, field dress a deer. And uh, and then all of a sudden, he needs blood. The, the rabbit blood's not doing it for him anymore. So she cuts her hand and lets him feed on her. And then she's taking blood from her to the point where she's starting to look strung out and, and making everybody, Patrick, uh, the ex-husband especially, make them think that she's back on drugs again, kind of playing into the unreliable narrator but we never get a sense you, you know that she's not from a character standpoint you could understand uh, doing that to make the other character for lack of an antagonist patrick is kind of antagonistic towards jess and t- to make him think that the kids aren't safe which is a, a big plot point in this uh, so i understand why they did that but she's taking her own blood and and to the point where she's starting to to pass out and she's you know kind of dazed out because she's just doesn't have enough blood in her system and because she's feeding her son with her own blood and then she ends up kidnapping a cancer patient that is terminal and only has six months to a year to live and they she she keeps her in the basement and is drawing blood from her to feed her son and and this just slow progression of her getting deeper and deeper and deeper into providing blood to feed her Sun. And at first, I thought uh, it was interesting to begin with. But at one point, I was like, "Uh, is this all it's going to be? I was expecting something a little more more horror, uh, a little more scares. Uh, There weren't a lot of jump scares. I don't think there were really any jump scares to speak of if they were there may have been a couple little minor ones but uh, i don't recall any jump scares it was purely atmosphere and once i realized it wasn't about the jump scares it wasn't about the monster in the closet or, or the the boogeyman under the bed it was about the horror of this slow descent of a mother doing more and more horrific things to the point where she's you know essentially killing a woman or keeping her alive Uh, long enough to feed her son Uh, you know she's eventually going to have to kill her she can't just let her go and it's the movie is really about that slow descent descent into madness that horrific descent into turning off her humanity to save her son which is one of the most human things uh, a person can do uh, to protect your child so uh, that that yin and yang was was a really interesting once I once I got what the movie was about that then became a, a really interesting way to look at this movie but yeah there weren't a lot of scary moments in it uh, the moment where they they come across this tree, there's something off about this tree and the dog understands that was kind of creepy when Pip, the dog comes back and his eyes are glowing. That's kind of creepy. Those moments where Owen is starting to kind of feel the hunger And they toy a lot with him, possibly stalking and possibly feeding on his baby half-sibling from Patrick and the nanny. That's kind of disturbing and scary in its own way. There are some moments when he's starting to, to really change where his eyes start to glow. And he'll be sitting there talking with somebody, his mother, or talking with Tyler. And you'll see that that turn of the head and those eyes start to glow. That was really kind of creepy. And then when you get to that third act and when you get to that climax where it is essentially a chase scene between Tyler and Owen and you start to see him physically change that got kind of creepy and then when jess is interjected into this this climax with with tyler and owen uh when she's fighting owen the look of owen and how he has changed was really kind of creepy but i I can't say that anything in this was terribly scary which is kind of what i was hoping for i I wanted a a monster movie vampire movie i wanted straight up horror this wasn't that movie and once i realized Realized it wasn't that movie. I became um, a little bit better about it. I, I was a little more okay with it, with the kind of movie it was. But but initially, I was hoping for something with a little more horror, a little bit more of a a monster vampire movie. This wasn't it. They don't even use the term vampire, and he's only a vampire in the sense that he craves blood and he contracted whatever was wrong with him through a bite to the neck. Everything else, I mean, he walks in the daylight while his face does, his physical features do change. Nothing else is really the stereotypical vampire tropes uh, about this character in this movie but that big climax it's probably one of my things where I, i liked what they did with it i just don't like how they did it there's a chase scene where owen is is finally changing and he can't control himself and he's chasing tyler and they're running towards this tree that tyler believes somehow uh she just has a sense that whatever is happening is tied to this tree and she and, and owen are going to go burn it down but owen finally turns and and loses control and starts chasing her towards this tree the chase scene i just don't think was cut very well it could have been cut to seem a little more high speed a little more high energy high intensity Uh, It could have built the tension more if it was cut, but it was a lot of wide shots and kids tripping and falling. And I think if it would have been cut with more close-ups and more jump cuts, it could have added to the tension and the suspense of the whole scene. It really wasn't. They get to the tree, and then it's kind of a fight, her fending him off. The mother shows up, and then she eventually kind of pushes him down into the mud because this is a a quasi-dried-out Uh, lake bed pushes him down into the mud and and drowns him in the mud now there was a really interesting scene where his face comes back and there's this little saying between him and his mom something you know they would say when uh she was tucking him in for bed and he says it to her almost as a way of saying it's okay mom i'm not coming back do what you have to do But then he he flashes to the creature version of Owen and it makes it easier for her to drown him in the mud. Uh, I really liked what they did with that scene because uh, they did a really good job with the creature effects on the makeup on Owen, uh, making him more gaunt and eyes sunken in and uh, more severe bone structure. And then you see him kind of come out of that to that chubby, cherubic face that Finley Wojtack, his song, has uh, that sweet, innocent face. Uh, And he says that line to his mom, and then all of a sudden it snaps back to this, you know, monster effects makeup. And it was a lot of practical effects makeup and kind of mixed with some CG work. And it all really worked very well. It It was a good job for a movie that wasn't very CG heavy, which I was glad of. They mixed in the practical with the digital very well to to make that scene really work and Probably one of the creepier scenes. If there was a scary moment, that was probably one of them. But as the movie ends, Jess and Tyler promise to to never speak of this or, or say what happens. And of course, uh, Tyler is taken away to live with Patrick and Jess is left on her own. But before she leaves, Tyler tells Jess uh, that this tree is the root of it and, and we end with Jess burning down this tree. And you almost hear kind of whispers coming out of this dark hole in the tree and of course you think it's all said and done but then they do have a mid-credit scene where it's it's sometime later jess has a new dog called jericho and she's tossing the ball and he kind of runs to the edge of the woods and all of a sudden jericho starts staring into the woods. Jericho notices something. So I have to imagine they're probably setting it up for hopefully a sequel. Uh, I would like to see where they go with this because one of the things i I found very interesting was the lack of lore in this movie. And I normally like to have some lore, but with this, I think when you're doing a vampire story and not doing a traditional vampire story, You know enough about vampires. You knew enough to know how this was contracted, at least from the dog to the boy. Uh, You know enough about the the blood hunger that a vampire would have. I, I don't think you need to know much more, but it left you wondering, what's going on? Is this tree tied to it? What's going on with this tree that, and it left you guessing and it left you wondering and and left your mind kind of swirling as to, okay, what what did I just watch? What's happening here? How does it all tie together? And it leaves you with no answers to that at all, Uh, which, like I said, under normal circumstances, I'd want a little something, but I don't think I needed it. Because I understand vampires. It would have been nice to have a little more detail. And I think if they do a sequel, I think we may delve a little more into what happened here. Uh, what is the lore behind all this? But I almost appreciate the fact that they didn't try to over-explain it. Because some of the, the creepiest, most horrific stories are the stories that you don't know why the bad thing happens. It just happens. And that's, that's like life. You know, sometimes there is no explanation for why some monster, uh, the human type, does what they do. They just do it, and and we're left dealing with things as they happen and dealing with the aftermath and never knowing or understanding why it happened in the first place. So, so I can appreciate them not delving into any convoluted, complicated lore, and it would be nice in a future sequel if they did kind of maybe explain a little more but i don't think they had to at least not for this movie if they do a sequel yeah you gotta you gotta give us a little more about what's going on here so i'll be interested to see if they do a sequel to this movie and kind of where they go with explaining the lore behind what we saw in blood. But I have to say this was a a fun movie to watch. Well, well, it was a little bit of a, a slower paced movie. I won't say a slow burn, but it was slower paced because it really was about that slow descent into the loss of humanity, if you will. But I enjoyed it. It was engaging enough. Uh, the the cinematography, I thought was was very well done. some great shots, uh, the music, the score was was really good. Uh the sound design and, and the and the score all kind of added to create this really creepy atmosphere. The way it was shot and the and the direction from Brad Anderson really helped make this a very tense atmospheric movie that I, I think you know you have to do that. You have to bring that to bear when you're when you're doing a horror film. The only problem I had with the editing, because I think the editing was was good for the most part, other than that chase scene. Uh, between the two kids. I wish that would have been uh, edited a little different to kind of uh, intensify the the tension that you're trying to build leading up to your climax. But hats off to the writer, Will Honley, and director, Brad Anderson. Of course, you may know him. I mean, he's done several things uh, that I recall. Of course, he did Session 9 back in 2001. Uh, he did The Machinist with Christian Bale back in 2004. Great movie. He's done a ton of TV, stuff like The Wire, uh, several episodes of Fringe, Masters of Horror, a couple episodes of Titans, which I'm currently uh, watching the last half of the final season now. Did an episode of Peacemaker on HBO. Uh, so, you know, he's done a ton of things. He's a, a veteran filmmaker, and you realize that with this. He This this film was uh, had somebody that knew what they were doing. And that's why I think for, for a movie that was, I can't imagine it was a huge budget, didn't have huge stars, didn't have big special effects. It didn't need that because it had a director that that knew what they were doing and knew how to uh, take a a good story. The Will Honley s- uh, screenplay, I thought was a really solid screenplay as well. Uh, like I said, it didn't get too convoluted with the lore. It just stuck on what was important, the family unit and the metaphors behind this family unit, which we'll talk about here shortly. But uh, but a good story and directed very well. And just all around, a good movie to watch. It was It was pleasing to the eye to watch this movie play out. Even if it was a little bit slower paced, it was slower paced for a reason. And the metaphor of it all, I think, was, was really interesting because you've got this mother who is a recovering drug addict. Then you've got her son, Owen, who once he turns into a quote-unquote vampire, he craves blood. He becomes violent. His, his attitude and his mood starts to change very much like a drug addict and i think it kind of played into the sins of the father or or mother in this case and and how the kids of addicts sometimes become addicts themselves because that's what they've learned and and it kind of delved into that metaphor but i think also in, in a bigger picture it was also about parents who who are a bit of an enabler to their addict child you know parents who are so hell-bent on doing everything they can to help their child, uh, helping their addict child. They'll go to any lengths. But ultimately, it's all just enabling them. Like her son is is dying without blood, uh, or at least he feels like he's dying without blood. Uh, I mean, I think in the, the context of this movie, he is dying without blood. So she gradually starts giving him blood and going through great lengths and great excesses to to provide him with blood much like parents will you know they they mean to help their child and while they're not providing the child with with drugs they're enabling the child to, to continue to be an addict because they're afraid to, to put an end to it somehow. And, and, and I don't mean killing the child much like uh, Jess did with, with Owen in this, but even that I think is a metaphor because uh, at some point, you know, parents who, who are, are trying to deal with a, a child who is an addict and there's just no way of saving them. Uh, it's bigger than them. Uh, it's bigger than what they can provide as a parent. Sometimes you just have to let them go because you can't fix them. And sometimes when you've got a child who's an addict and you're trying to save them as a detriment to your family, uh, sometimes you just have to let them go. So it really, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's saying this is the way to do it, but I think it's showing a lot of different aspects of addiction through this movie, whether it be, you know, like I said, the sins of the father passed down to the the child, or it's the parent enabling their child. Who's an addict. Uh, There's a lot of metaphor to unpack here. And uh, I, I don't think they're giving you the answers to what, what should or shouldn't be. I think they're just giving you license to open the conversation and and I think that's a, an interesting thing in and of itself. Uh, I like when a movie gets people talking about various subjects, uh, gets people talking about things that we don't normally talk about. And that, I think, is when a movie is taking a social issue or a issue of any kind and bringing it to the forefront without being overly preachy. It's subtle enough to where you can enjoy the movie for the movie's sake and then afterward you can say, well this kind of I see the parallels between this thing in the movie and this thing in the real world and like I said, it opens those discussions and opens people's minds to to cogitating on on these various various topics. And I, I like movies like that, and I think this did a really good job in that regard. But ultimately, it was a good atmospheric horror movie. wasn't scary by any stretch of the imagination, but it was well-acted. It played a lot on tension and atmosphere, which you know I think you have to do in a horror movie. It wasn't scary. Uh, it did have some creature elements, not a ton of gore, even though there was some blood. I think there were some moments that they could have made scarier. I think the the scene where Helen, the woman that's being kept in the basement, escapes and Owen feeds on a person. Uh, for the first time, killing them, uh, I think that could have been shot a little creepier. Uh, the chasing again, I, I think, she could have been shot a little scarier a little more tension-driven. But but other than that, I thought a, a very well-shot movie, a very well-directed movie, and a very well-acted movie. And what little effects they did, I thought those effects were, were really good in this movie. So I enjoyed Blood. Uh, I'm glad I got to watch it. If I would have known, I probably would have watched this earlier on Video On Demand. But it just so happens that uh, it really wasn't on my radar until I saw it show up on Hulu. And I'm really glad I watched it. So definitely, if you've got Hulu, check it out. If you can still catch it on Video On Demand, check out Blood. Uh, I think you're you're going to enjoy it. If you like horror movies, if you like good character-driven horror movies, I think you're going to enjoy this. And you just have to know what you're getting into. It's not straight-up horror. It's not monsters jumping out and saying boo. It's more of a slow descent type of horror movie, which those are good too. I like those. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the movie Blood. You can check out more with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook and Instagram. We're always keeping on top of what's going on with the podcast. Uh, On Facebook, I share trailers to movies and TV series that are coming out as well as sharing articles from all over the internet about the horror fantasy and science fiction we love. I like to throw in my two cents as well. And please, wherever you listen to this podcast, please follow it, like it, subscribe to it, whatever you got to do, whatever they call it, on the platform you're uh, checking us out on please do that and please leave a review five stars would be awesome no matter what review you leave we do appreciate that and please share the podcast get the word out help us build up our numbers so i can keep doing this uh because i love being able to sit here and talk about uh, movies and tv series and sometimes music and sometimes comic books and sometimes regular books but but i enjoy getting to talk about these genres that i love with you so until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon but even though you may come back you never really get to leave odds bodkins curiosity shop